Alistair Makotad here, 23-time World Arm Wrestling Champion, and thank you guys for tuning in for Verbal Shenanigans. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. Welcome on back to the Verbal Shenanigans Podcast. Um, I think we're at episode 4, 422. So that means there's four over, I don't know, Mike, what does that mean? Like 1,500 hours probably out there of us talking to one another? Uh, let's see, 422 times 1.5 equals more. Um 633 so that's about how many hours yeah yeah probably, probably more than that yeah you got to factor in some of those long episodes it's a couple two hour ones two and a half hour ones the, um, the brilliant ones where we had like well we had three guests we just interviewed let's just shove it into one episode yeah yeah that was our our, our brilliant marketing strategy for for yeah. quite a quite a couple of years but um, I bet you there's episodes that were so long that they've never been heard. Like certain parts of the episode have never been heard by anybody. Probably not even <laughs> us. That, oh like, yeah, one of us had to check out during somebody going on a spiel or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, welcome on back to the show. That is for those of you tuning in for the first time. That's Mike. I'm Scott. Um, I don't know what can I say about this. We've been doing this for nine years or, or so. So. I'd like to think we're one of the podcasts that have longevity, and that's really it. We yeah. just won't go away. We are the cockroach of podcasting. Yeah. We're the podcast where you go, why do you keep doing it? And then we kind of pause and we kind of ask ourselves the same question. Yeah, yeah. Wives ask us the same thing, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, got to do it for the cab. I'm at the point where I tell my wife, like, I forget somebody cool, and she'd be like, oh, cool. You know, like her reactions have pretty much been numbed down over the years to no reaction about the podcast. Yeah, I would say that's a bit like I remember I was uh, at my uh, lunch at my other job and uh, I know I make millions here, but I'd like to do my side stuff and all regular nine to five. But in any case, yeah, I like, mean, you don't want to you don't want to have all that free time, you know, ex- exactly. And uh like we were chatting about something, Breaking Bad came up, and I brought up how we interviewed Skinny Pete yeah. for the podcast and described how he didn't even know the final scenes. Like I just rewatched the last episode of Breaking Bad, which <laughs> is amazing. And I was describing that. And I can tell people were giving me the oh look at you kind of like <laughs> little pat on the back and yep. all as much as actually like, oh my gosh, it's so exciting. I'm like you're not going to remember one freaking thing from this conversation. Are yeah, you? It's getting to a point where we've had so many guests on and done so many hours that like, I'll be in the midst. I'll be hearing a conversation with like friend. They'll bring up like somebody's name or something they saw online. And I'll be like in my head, I'll be like, Ooh, I interviewed, you know, someone attached to whatever they're talking about. And now I just kind of like, 
don't even say anything anymore <laughs> because I've gotten that reaction like, oh, cool, cool, cool. And then they like continue on yeah. with their, where, where they wanted the conversation to go originally. Yeah. They'll be like, I wonder this. I wonder this. Well, if you listen to my podcast, I, I don't need that answer that bad. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're like, easy, easy. That's not, that's not going to happen here. Yeah. Um, but uh, speaking of the verbal shenanigans podcast. So today had a little downtime. I don't know. Putzing around the internet. And I type in verbal shenanigans podcast into Google, which I do often, and I hit images. And Mike, apparently, on the TikTok world, there is a verbal shenanigans podcast. And there's two kids. They have about seven little two-minute videos up there. Um, And immediately, I go into, like, you know, Papa Bear mode. Like, oh, no, there's not going to be... You know, we're, we're, we've had this before, years and years ago, if you remember. There was another verbal shenanigans, and I contacted them. was like, hey, you know, this has been a please, please change the name, blah, 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 blah. So now I don't – we don't we haven't entered TikTok. Um, now, I know it's probably a great promotional tool. We probably should. But something about – I don't know. I can't bring myself to go on to the, the dancing teenager <laughs> platform, even though I know there's a lot of exposure out there. You, you feel like it's kind of like when China steals something from like a U.S. based movie. It gets to the point where you're, you're mad, but at the same time, you're like, "Yeah, I'm not going over there. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, not going to go into TikTok land to grab this person." No, I, I feel like in one day it might be inevitable, like to post our stuff there too. But now I'm almost like I got to go make a name so I can contact these people and be like, "Please take this down," you know. And their name is at Verbal Shenanigans. Like, if we were going to make Ooh. a TikTok, that would be, you know, that would be the name we choose. Yeah. So, mm. what I'm saying is, any any listeners out there who have a TikTok account, please go contact Verbal Shenanigans on TikTok and please tell them the OGs are not very happy. Um, you know, if they, if they were killing it with, like, millions of views, I would be like, hey, you want to be... <laughs> You want to be like the minor league team where you guys go, <laughs> you go out and do your thing. That's what I would go sue them. That's what it's like. Oh, wait, now you made a name. Now my name is worth something. Like before you did your thing with my name, yeah. my name was nothing. But now <laughs> my name is associated with you. So by rule, I'm something. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of surprised. So I will keep anybody, um, you know, I'm going to try to see how to contact them and and get that down or at least make them change it because, um, listen, there's only room for one of us around here. And it's two friends, like, doing witty banter. So, I mean, oh my God. listen, we got we got turf to protect. Hmm. I'm looking at some of these right now. The boys fight over fast food and debate whose fries are better. Mm, that's way better than our conversation. I was just going to say, it's not bad. You want to... <laughs> uh, let's see. Why don't we just steal yeah, their topics? About... <laughs> yeah, let's see. Talking about the new Mario movie on our podcast, Twitch link is in the bio. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. But now we're going to have to sue him for TikTok and Twitch. Yeah, yeah, this, is, this isn't good. This isn't good. So mm-hmm. um, we got to get that down. So anybody who knows TikTok or Twitch, please help us out. Tell Say there's been a verbal shenanigans around for, for nearly a decade. Um, wait, wait a minute now. Pitching a groundbreaking product to Fox O'Life on Baby Shark Tank. Wait, wait, wait. We're the ones that come up with the million-dollar ideas on this podcast. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Hold up. These guys will never make moon jam. Never. No. But they will they... never have a spicy wine whatsoever. But we uh, we might be careful here because we might see that on the other verbal, sh- verbal shenanigans podcast. What if we're a feeder yeah. system into their ideas? Oh, my God. Do you think there's some, like, like 20-year-old girl dancing while chugging spicy wine? Could you be. you think that's a thing? Could be in the shirt, in, like, the verbal shenanigans shirt, you know? Oh, my God. Why do they have better shirts than us? Yeah, what if they have a better logo? What if they talk to Sean Kemp before we do? <laughs> he, he finally is like, you know what? I'm going to talk to them guys. And then he happens to be on Twitch. Oh, there you guys are. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, and I looked today. It didn't look like they posted since like May. Hmm. I, 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 that was the last time I looked. So maybe they're they're puttering out. They, listen, yeah. most people realize that bantering with their buddy back and forth for a couple months sucks. But yet we have figured out how to just continually do this and, and ignore all all the haters and the the monotony of doing this every yeah. week. They learned early. And they uh, they're listed uh, the Verbal Shenanigans podcast. Their tagline is "We're still the best duo around." I mean, it could be true. I mean, yeah. let's face it, you and me, we're, we're we're lucky to get top fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're not we're not the be- best fifty duo. I can think of fifty duos right now better than us: Chip and yeah. Dale, Abbott and mm-hmm. Costello. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Current Costello here. I agree with you. <laughs> Tiki and Ronde. <laughs> no. mm. Pinky in the Brain. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Batman and Robin. No, oh, yeah. Turner and Hooch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Hmm? Han and Leia. <laughs> Han and Leia, yeah. But then you could say Luke and Leia. Then you could say Leia and Luke. Yeah. Each one, you just like, yep, yep, yep. Just keep putting them on top of us. And- but anyway, fake verbal shenanigans. Take it down because yeah, it pisses me off. We've been around for a long time here. Let us have our space. Come up with something different. You're but, on notice right now. Yeah. So, Mike, I, I, I kind of like came across some things um, this week, just some stories and, and ideas. I wanted to see what your headspace would be towards some of these things, how, how you would react. Um, the first one probably I, not normal. Yeah, yeah. But go on. Um, the first one happens to involve. Uh, he was my favorite actor for a long time. I still love him. I don't think he makes as much content that I love, and that's Edward Norton. Um, okay, you know, Fight Club, uh, American History mm-hmm. X. Uh, go on and on and on and on. Um, and on a recent uh, show, I forget the name of the show. It was uh, kind of like a CNN thing. Uh, what's the name of the show? Oh, Finding Your Roots on, on PBS. So it's like a genealogical show where they kind of trace your roots back. And I guess he went on for an interview. Um, mm-hmm. And apparently he found out that he is related to Pocahontas. Like Interesting. Yeah, not not Disney cartoon, not the voice of Pocahontas in movies and whatnot, but the original, like, uh, OG Pocahontas, like John, marrying John Smith. Hmm. So I, I was curious, like, you find out this news, like, um, you're related to a historical figure. Um, yeah. And in a minute, I'll get to who you probably think you're related to somehow. Um but you get this news. Does this like does this do anything different in your life? Like immediately? 
I don't think so. Um, I mean, pretty much I rarely like I keep my parents keep telling me like what's my heritage, but I always like forget and <laughs> like it never yeah. dawns on me. Like somebody else will ask me what's your background, like I don't know, like European mutt or whatever. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. Like I, I've had no interest in twenty three and me. It'd, be, it'd had, be great if like you're going on Thanksgiving, your parents are always like, "Mike, you are Ronald Reagan's grandson," and you're just like, "Yeah, whatever, whatever." And then you <laughs> like, like <laughs> "Mike, you are related to Barack Obama directly." Like, wait, what? And you're just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Like, whatever. He wh- doesn't invite me over for Thanksgiving. Like you're care. like there's some kind of like family, uh, you know. Uh, trust fund for you sitting there, but you just keep forgetting by the time you leave you leave the house. Yeah, I mean, it's never really triggered anything in me. Like, like I know when I lived in Jersey, like and down in South Jersey, there's like a lot of businesses that have Bur- the Burlu name on it, and everybody's like, "Oh, you should see if you're related." I'm like, ah, that, that would take work, and then I would have to talk to them. I, I think I'm just better off. Like staying in my apartment. We do. We we do know that you you come from a family of horse thieves, though. We did learn that. Yeah, that it. That's the fun thing. I don't need the real answer. I just have to have the horse thief story. (laughs) Which for our new listeners, apparently, my family name comes from Buckaloos of Europe, who were famous horse thieves. Uh, As like the authorities were coming around, the family split. One half went to Buckaloo, the other half turned out to be Burloos. And that's kind of the story. Like, we never officially got the, yup, we looked in your heritage, and you are truly related to Ezekiel Buckaloo, who married Michelle Burloo, or anything like that. Uh, I have no stories like that. I just tell the general story, and everybody gets a good smile, and... That's all I need to know. I don't care how Swedish I am. What if you're related to like, like famous cowboy? Like, what if you're what if you're an Erp or you're a uh, you're like Billy the Kid's great grandson or something? It's cool for like a minute, but it doesn't change the next day. I still wake up and go to work. You know what I mean? I mean, okay. So you like come it, on this show. You you come on finding the finding your roots. Um, mm-hmm. They they invite you on. They say, hey, we got some big news for you. And they drop a bomb. They they drop Pocahontas on you. They say, right. and let me let me see the relationship. Um, so according to their tracing back, Edward Norton, uh, Pocahontas was your his twelfth great grandmother and great grandfather John Rolfe and Pocahontas. Okay, so they drop that on you. You just dust your hands and just that's it. There's no no burlo reaction whatsoever. Yeah, they probably have. They probably like stop the cameras and be like, "Can, can you act excited?" Uh, <laughs> to, like, it, like some college kid had to like dig through thousands of papers to find us out about you. And I'll give you, all right, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Hey, Pocahontas, yay, yeah. go team! I don't know. I'm, I mean, technically, I'm. I feel like you'd be like, "Is there snacks in the green room?" Or yeah, you know, like <laughs> you got a yeah, dog absolutely. around here. How am I related to Robert Inkman? That'd be awesome. Like, <laughs> all right, but like let's, cousin Freddie. Yeah, let's throw that scenario at you. Okay, Robert Inkman, a guy you really like and appreciate his work. Now you're related to him. He's a, I don't know, he's a distant uncle of yours. Does that change anything? 
I mean, that'd be kind of cool. I mean, now <laughs> now we're getting in a realm that like I'd be interested in, and mm. like maybe kind of try to dive into that and try to find my long lost uncle. But um, <laughs> at least get yeah, him on the I mean, show. <laughs> I think yeah, he, I think he should at least owe you that. Maybe exactly. I mean, I can't get Pocahontas on the show. <laughs> We've uh, tried. Yeah, the, We've tried. Yeah, yeah. The. When we go on those uh, native casinos and scream for Pocahontas, they do not look at us with any good favors. Uh, <laughs> they generally tell me to go away. You know, it would be great if you showed up on the show and they're like, Mike, you're related to Pocahontas and you're just decked out head to toe in Redskins gear. You're like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I found these in the attic. I haven't worn them in a while. You- you guys going to tell me before we start rolling? What? <laughs> the, oh, I, I could have at least got the football team stuff on. <laughs> the The only thing I know in my family is my grandmother's aunt um, was it the grandma on the Beverly Hillbillies. That's about as far as I know um, that we I, are mm, anything cool. I, and I know my grandmother's that same aunt had some very famous radio show which my aunt was telling me about which that that sounded pretty cool because it was like the days of you know gathering around the radio and listening to like a duo and you could actually look her up but i when i like you mike forgot forgot her name so <laughs> so i'm not quite sure i know on my wife's side they are related to sherry lewis the one who had the puppet lamb chop oh nice yeah so that's like a running thing. Like we found a uh, lamb chop dog toy and Leia chews on it from time to time. And it's like brought up in some like. Yeah, there's something there. Conversations when we're at one of her family things. But I mean, once we leave there, it's like, okay, man, we'll save Sherry Lewis until next Thanksgiving, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a fascinating story. And in my head, I'm like, of, co- of course, some like very successful celebrity actor also gets this little feather in his hat like oh you're related to like this historical figure now yeah. you know like oh here you go plus he's a tad full of himself yeah so now i feel it's like a new layer and i sadly feel he's kind of like trying to get like this new generation native american movie off the ground and yeah it'll probably be like absolutely atrocious and it'll be like on the lowest used streaming service of all time where nobody can find it yeah native american history x yeah yeah this, i would <laughs> like on apple tv like something where it's like i can't even find like a neighbor who has this streaming service yeah uh, i mean yeah i'm a big fan of his work but not not as i he does come off a little um on the on the pompousy side a little bit in in certain ways but very obviously a, a mega talented actor, but um, wish his selection of movie like kind of strayed away from something got a little too a little too serious with certain things. But um, okay, so the next thing I want to ask you, I'm scrolling through the internet here, and um, I come across this story which I thought was kind of strange. Okay, so a woman who is trapped in the body of a child has opened up about her new love interest. So Shauna Ray is three feet, 10, 10 inches tall. Okay. And apparently, uh, she documents the challenge that come with looking like a child on her TLC show. So, um, if you see, if you look up Shauna Ray, uh, Mike, you'll get an image of what she looks like. She looks like a kid. Okay. 
Um, the series explores Ray's childhood illness and its unexpected side effect that she stopped growing. Um, so Ray just weighs 50 pounds, suffered brain cancer as a child, and went through cam- chemotherapy. This damaged her pituitary gland and led to her having pituitary dwarfism. As a result, she resembles an 8-year-old girl uh, rather than a 23-year-old girl. Okay. Um, now, this, this is where I want to get your thoughts on this. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now in a preview for the show, Ray is seen talking about a man called Dan. The pair met after he slid into her DMs, sent her flowers, telling her that he had been inspired by her strength after watching her. Since his initial advances, Dan has been spending time getting to know Ray and her family. However, Ray is concerned about a potential long-distance relationship with Dan. Uh, she says, I haven't actually really thought about if Dan and I were in a relationship and how that would look. I assume that we'd probably try a long-distance thing. Now... So my my thoughts on you, uh, my thoughts to you is here. This sounds a little weird to me, right? The the setup. Now, these people didn't meet working together, right? They didn't meet on the set of the show. He was a cameraman and they they hit it off. And he realized this guy kind of just looked at pictures of her online or on Instagram or whatnot. And then all of a sudden contacted her. Okay. Now, keeping in mind that she looks similar to an eight-year-old girl so does this fall under like a creepy category or is there any kind of substance to this it's hard for me to defend the non-creepy uh she like i'm looking at it there would be like no scenario where you could have convinced me she was outside of like the fifth grade right this girl at, at, at best fifth grade um, I I feel for her because sure. in her mind she is an adult, and I'm sure she has all the feelings. I mean, we all had those feelings in our twenties and all want to explore stuff or whatever. But never me and the guy. And his first thought is to slide in those DMs. I mean, it, it's borderline Ambla, and, and I'm sure she's a sweet personality, and I can see her finding love, but. Yeah, that, like that was like kind of my blind date. Like, like, is this a a man? Like, is this a man attracted to? Like, is this is this, has this like a pedophilia like stink to it, or is this just um, is this a possibility? And also, how does this girl go about finding an actual? You know, everybody wants a, a partner or a dating life at, at minimal at some point in their life. Uh, how does this girl go about trying to do that in life? Like, you can't even, I don't think you can really go out and do have any public affections because you are immediately going to have somebody calling 911 or somebody coming over and punching you in the face. Right. Seeing you, like, Frenching this girl. I do not know how you can even start this. I think this was, like, a, an episode of SVU where... I mean, they just basically completely criminalized the person because they had, like, an actress who was, like, 14 acting as a 23-year-old. And the whole thing was about the guy had a history of pedophilia. And I don't want to... Did I, I hate saying it because we're talking about a real life person who, who I'm sure has real life needs and desires for love and stuff like that. But I don't know how you get around this stuff in this situation. There's one thing where... A girl is 20-something, and she looks 16. Yeah. But you divide that by two, and you're trying to justify it? 
I don't know where you go from here. Right. And then there's the, you could play the, more importantly, did Ice-T solve that case? <laughs> uh, it wasn't Ice-T. No, oh. it was uh, Christopher Maloney. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, so then you could play the devil's advocate side, right? You could say, you know, she is a, she is a woman technically, right? She is a woman who is suffering from a disease. I am supportive of her disease, right? But but that guy and her are I, I feel if they were ever to 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 date and have a relationship, I feel like you're gonna get nonstop criticism and strange looks for for basically for the re- the entirety of that relationship or anywhere in public. Like even if she shows her driver's license, who is gonna look at that and believe it? Yeah. Yeah. There's no way that like there's gotta be something special we have to give to her. It's just like you scan this and the alarm goes off and say, yes, yes, we're aware of this girl. Don't bother her. She's fine. She's legal. Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of boggled my mind because I couldn't like I couldn't I couldn't put together like a clear thought of exactly how I feel because there's a little bit of wiggle room on either side of it. Right. Like because you, you want to like you want to be like, yeah, you know, she has the both of them. Both of them have the right to. A relationship and an adult life and um you don't want to take that away from them but that's that's a tough like we all want to be forever young right <laughs> to a to an extent but never we don't want to look like an eight-year-old the rest of our life yeah. and can you imagine like you date her and you break up like what's the bounce back off of that like you can't look for something similar yeah because this yeah. is one of this is literally one of a kind right here. Or, or here's another twisted scenario. You guys, you guys fall in love. You have a relationship. She gets pregnant, has a kid. That kid looks older than her by the time she's nine years old. So all mm. of a sudden, the kid looks like maybe the mother. Or you have two kids and the one girl's got to walk around like the mother the whole time. Oh, my God. I mean, That's some good Twilight is- Zone stuff right yeah. there. I mean, she gets pregnant in the southern state. They'll just go, yep, that's what we meant. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's why we got rid of that one thing. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was just, those are those are two things that, that uh, popped into my head. But, yeah, I got, I got one more for for afterwards. Like maybe but, she should, like, sew a beard onto herself to look older. I don't know. Mike Burlow's solution. Sew a beard. Not, like, maybe glue a beard. No. Literally sew no. a beard to her face. Glue falls off, Scott. What do you want me to do? I want this girl to have a happy life, so I want to staple and put needles in her body so she has a beard like ZZ Top. So this Is girl, that so wrong? this girl who had cancer and uh-huh. a shrunken pituitary gland and has to grow mm-hmm. up looking eight years old for her entire life, get criticized. Your solution, what you want her to do is take thread and needle and jab uh-huh. it to her face and sew a beard on so she looks like an eight-year-old girl wearing a beard. Well, I mean, when you say like that, that sounds terrible. But I have good, you know, it's like the guy who asked around a date. I had good thoughts around it, but you just, you can't see the clear picture of everything. It was a little preemptive of a plan. We have a little working out to do, uh, yeah. but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. <laughs> Michael Burlew's eight-year-old beard. I did. I did. <laughs> I just picture, uh, you know, her family being in a room with the doctor, you know, evaluating the, her treatment going forward. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, we have this very ex- emotional. We have this experimental drug we can try. We have a possible mm-hmm. surgery, and then you just hear from the back, 
I got something for you. <laughs> yeah. Everybody turns and like, who's that guy? And you just start walking towards the front of the room. <laughs> slam your Hey, it's the cousin of Robert England. <laughs> slam slam your briefcase on the table and be like, have you thought about this? And then out comes the ball of yarn and needle and fall out. <laughs> and you're like, hear me out. And then that just causes a whole, uh, you know, uproar here. Yeah, it's weird. They always keep me in the back. That's why I'm the last one to always bring up ideas in these situations. I'm picturing like that movie scene, like it's dark and you're just kind of dimly lit in the back and everyone turns towards you and there's almost like a cloud of smoke in a way. I, I imagine myself, everybody has their ideas and I'm in the back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that all you're going to do? <laughs> That's your solution. Like a very Joker kind of performance. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like as you're coming to it. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yeah, I will be wearing the Joker makeup when I'm pitching that idea, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh. This is a million-dollar idea. Do not take this verbal shenanigans TikTok podcast, okay? <laughs> yeah. You know, every week when I think we've reached like a plateau of stupidity we always seem to find another shovel nope. like we we go nope. a little bit deeper yep but every time we say we made it to the top i'm like scott i'm building an addition and ironically it always seems like we get to our peak stupidity right before you have to bring our guest on which is always like yeah always like i feel like the peak of the show we're like okay that's the dumbest thing we've ever said and now everybody strap in uh and get ready for our guest so mike i'm gonna leave this one to you who do we got tonight <laughs> Uh, Scott, uh, we got tonight, um, we've had some great athletes on our time, sure. and uh, I'm going to just say tonight, we, we got we got a manly man coming on here tonight. We got Monster Michael Todd joining us. Michael Todd is a 21 world title, 36 national title arm wrestling champion. We're going to be chatting with him what's life on the road what's it is it gonna be like over the top with stallone we talk about these kind of events and just what life is for this man being an arm wrestling champion and i think i know he has a very large beard maybe you should ask him if he uh if he sold yeah, that maybe he's face. an eight-year-old all this time <laughs> maybe he didn't even maybe, recognize him that beard you got is that sewn on or <laughs> <laughs> let's get monster mike todd on the line so, Mike, um, we're kind of getting you in between stuff. For for why you did a big announcement like an hour before the scheduled <laughs> interview, and you're, you're getting a grandchild tomorrow. Am I, am I getting that right? Oh, we're, we're having grandbabies to watch. We have three grandchildren. Oh. We, have, oh. we have a fifth grandchild on the way due the end of March, 1st of April. But, yeah, we will be uh, housing three of our grandbabies tomorrow night. So <laughs> it's always uh, kind of crazy, the Monster Factory. They, uh, and they're the three wild ones. Yeah, they are the three <laughs> wild ones. So they get in here and they have we have Tent City and they have all kinds. Of, they get in the gym and just run. And it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. What are, what are the arms like on these kids at this point? What are we looking at? <laughs> okay, so two boys, one girl. Yep. Uh, they are little monkeys, man. They don't even know. I mean, and that's the thing is I always want – babies around me doing at you know calisthenics right gymnastic movements pull-ups body weight movements because pound for pound gymnasts are the strongest athletes in the world sure uh that's just that there's no question about that i think the best athletes on the planet are high level world-class elite crossfitters because they're capable of doing everything at a elite level like 
high-level world-class CrossFitters do Olympic lifting at high-level Olympic lifting numbers. You know what I'm saying? Sure. They run at long distances. They, and so I don't know how we got on that. But, yeah, so <laughs> the grandbabies are stout. They, they like arm wrestling. They beat up on Big Papa all the time. So <laughs> do, you, do you ever let them get a win in there, or is it like you're going to have to actually beat me at some point? I'm going to flip them over the table. <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of leading to my first question before I read up in um, – on your site and your profile, like you got into arm wrestling, like your dad would like kind of challenge you up and kind of. <laughs> so test basically, your it was me. My dad would be leaned back in the recliner watching the uh, you know, television back in the day, and I would just walk. I'd get up there and get on the armrest, and I'd try to beat him, and you know, he would just look at me and smile. And <laughs> by the time I was fifteen years old, you know, we were on the kitchen table and I beat him. And uh, I pretty much beat everybody in school my senior year. I was at Bowtech, and uh, they said, "They go, they're second to state." And I was in the cafeteria. I'm like, "Well, let's go." Got on the cafeteria table. I beat him. He's like, "You got to go to this tournament." And it was the Sling County Fair, in 1990. The county over from where I lived. I went in there, uh, did the 200 pound division, 176 to 200. I took third place. Uh, Came back home, built a table, and started holding tournaments at the boys' club. Like within a few months. <laughs> so let, let me ask you: like we we see our wrestling, you know, on TV or some social media videos or over the top, you know, that's like people's expo- exposure to our wrestling. How much of it do you think is like people are genetically, um, you know, have a disposition to be good at our wrestling, or is it all? based on strength from something else or are people just are some people naturally def- definitely a genetic predisposition to be good at arm wrestling yeah large frames big hands long levers all those things make you um genetically have an advantage right uh now the people who are normally the strongest arm wrestlers are the hard-working manual labor people it's not the gym guys it's the hay hauling country boy, mechanic, carpenter, pipe fitter, just oh, anyone yeah. who works with their hands, right? Yeah. Uh, so we as an arm wrestling community know that once arm wrestling does get to that level of UFC or whatever, or when it does, we, we all hope that it will, there are people out there that are going to come out of the woodwork that are just freaks. Now, they cannot come into our sport and take over without several years of dedicated commitment to training. And I'll tell you why. Um People are like, oh, that guy's strong. I'm like, no, his bench press muscles are strong. My, my arm wrestling muscles are highly developed. Right. So people are like, oh, it's only technique. Eh, it's technique at an amateur level. You know, you had a twin brother, and I taught him how to arm wrestle. He's going to beat you. But once you become a world-class arm wrestler, we all know how to arm wrestle. It comes down to who's stronger. We all know the technique. It comes down to who's stronger. But it comes down to who's stronger in the pronation or the riser or the supination or the cup. or You know, it's these intricate strengths that are unconventional to the average person right? Cause it's been specifically mm. trained and that's, what's different today versus when I started almost 33 years ago was what it took me 10 years to learn. A person could learn in 12 to 18 months now, just because of the access of knowledge. Right. Available. I was uh, watching a few videos, you arm wrestling. And one thing I know is it seems like in every bout, there's some kind of like politicking back and forth between both the opponents where it's like, no, my, my knuckle needs to go here. My, my fingers need to go here. Like the rep has to be like literally debating these two people. Is that like every event where it's just like, it takes 10 minutes just to start this. That's event? the important thing about arm wrestling. And that's why we have one of the reasons I believe we have not gotten that massive 
you know, appeal yet is because people don't know what they're watching. They don't understand why the setup takes so long. And unless you have a character behind the scenes of why I should be interested in this match, I'm going to turn the channel. I'm like, dude, that's boring. I'm not going to watch that. Right. Um, And what it comes down to is most arm wrestlers train in a way where they need several things to happen for them to win a match. They need the right setup. They need the right start. They need this. I've always been a person that only needed one thing to happen. And that's when they say go, me not get pinned. If I can stop you from pinning me on go, at that point, 99% of the time, my disgust for losing, well, well, your desire to win. I just hate losing, and I'm really stubborn. Hence the reason my right arm's been fractured over 70 times. I've lost 19 and a half inches range of motion. That's as far as my right arm trades out. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. That's not even bad. If anybody right. listened on audio, he, he's Check held up out. his arms. His one arm is looks like half, mm-hmm. you know, half That's the range of the other one. Right arm comes back. Wow! <laughs> so the left arm will come all the way to here. The right won't come back past there. <laughs> because that's bone on bone it's been fractured so many times that's as far as it straightens that's as far as it comes back and it's just because i was too stubborn to quit i'd be in a compromised position and i thought well if they're not gonna pin me i might as well pin them and yeah <laughs> fracture after fracture after fracture give us a little insight into like your, the come up in in arm wrestling like is it is it hosted in the back of bars in the beginning is it friendly friendly matches how does one like kind of enter and start to grow into more and more well-known competitions what's the what's the the process to get there so it's different now than what it was when i started uh like i said i was in high school they said go to this event right Slane county fair i went to that right back then you would get a flyer in the mail you would check your mail find a flyer you'd be like oh cool in three months i'm going this tournament or you go to the, the fair or the festival that you went to last year and hope that you could find the arm wrestling table, what it was set up at, right? And you'd go compete there. And then you'd find out about the national championship or you'd qualify top two in the nation, qualify to go to the world championships. And it's just how it kind of evolved. So you'd have the people you'd see at the local event every year, the people you'd see at the regional and the national. And the, 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 when you, If you were fortunate enough to go to the world championships, you'd run into people that you'd be in the elevator with and couldn't even speak the same language, but you both were arm wrestlers. You'd give them that little head nod, like, what's up? You know? um, now, the access to events, there's an event everywhere in the United States. I mean, there's somewhere in the United States every weekend there's an arm wrestling tournament. Uh, and that's what I'm doing this year. I'm getting back to loving arm wrestling. I'm on the road. I raise a partner with Redcon One Energy, and I'm doing a quest to win 100 first place awards. Right. So in 2001, I had a sponsor, and I pulled 35 events. I weighed 198 pounds back then, and I, I think I won 112 or 114 awards that year. But I think it was like 92 first places because I entered every weight class I could enter: 198, 242, super, whatever. This year, I'm cut down. I've been a super heavyweight arm wrestler for the last decade, meaning over 242 pounds, as heavy as 323 pounds. You know, ripped and shredded is 260 pounds, but always over 242, right? Um, I've cut down to 242 pound division so that I can enter more divisions, right? So I can enter 242 right, left, supers right, left, masters over 40 right and left. And in June, over 50 right, left, you know, because I turned 50 in June because I want to win 100 first places. It's never been done before. So I have 30, over 30 events scheduled for me to compete at this year. So we, we have wow. a 33 foot wrapped RV. We hop in there with our two dogs and we just take off and travel. So this past week, it was the very first event for the year. I had a chance to win eight first places, three left, three right, plus overall left and right. And I came home undefeated with eight first places. So wow. it was a fun event. Yeah. <laughs> now, another fun thing I, I noticed looking at some of your videos, uh, like every time I imagine arm wrestling is just standing up one on one like that. 
Now, you're known for what's called the king's move, where you kind of lay back and have your legs out and kind of hold on to that. Can you kind of give us a grasp of why you chose that position and what and why is it so debated for what I understand? Well, okay. So how that how that happened, how that the evolution of Monster Michael Todd was all the injuries, all the injuries from my arm. And then my left arm, a doctor misdiagnosed me, said I had a muscle tear and I had a world title defense in May of 2010 in London. I drove in. I didn't warm up. I drove into the mat, drove into the shoulder press, got behind it, looked at the ca- there's cameras all over. It's going to be in 60 different countries and 30-something languages. It's going to be awesome. And pow! Metoclad ligament rips off the bone, flex mass rolls up the forearm, and elbow dislocate six inches. My arm lands on the table behind me. Ugh. So it's horrible, horrific. The doctor misdiagnosed said I had a muscle tear. I had a partially torn ligament. So I didn't know that. So I just went in and the whole thing came apart. Well, after that, I was no longer able to pull with my left hand while I practiced with my right hand. So I started pushing with my left. I started pronating with back pressure. I started turning arm wrestling from a pushing sport into a pulling sport into more of a tug of war. Slip, go to the strap. And uh, what that meant was if I'm applying so much back pressure, I'm trying to get you to me. Part of arm wrestling is getting your knuckle high. You want a high knuckle. On my left hand, if I want my high knuckle, I just pull it close to my shoulder because I'm capable of doing that like any normal arm would. My right arm doesn't get within 10 inches of my shoulder. So for me to get height on my knuckle, I had to drop my shoulder to get my knuckle higher because I couldn't close it, right? There it came up with this King's Move deal. So I'm I'm in this position where it looks like, you know, I'm, uh, my hand, you, sometimes you just see my arm. You can't see me because I'm, I'm like down so that I can get that knuckle up. Well, it became debatable because it was very difficult for people to beat me. Like I would, mm. I would take their, my hand and wrist would be strong enough in the strap that I would pronate through their hand. And as they would try to apply side pressure or whatever, their wrist would buckle. And people started complaining, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. Well, it was completely within the rules. Right. The rules mm. say I had to keep my elbow down. And at the time there was no shoulder below the shoulder below the table foul. They started making it more difficult to, to execute that style of that move. So now I've just, there's been an evolution of the move by within the new guidelines and the new rules, which means my shoulder has to stay above the, the tabletop and my arm has to stay parallel to the table versus any downward angle or my humerus. You know, just it's just funny yeah. because people are like, oh, well, that's not fair. Let's change the rules, you know. Mm. But you win at all costs. Whatever the rules are, you tell me what the rules are, and I will compete within those rules. And 99% of the time, I'm going to win. <laughs> <You know? laughs> give a, give a, the listener here some insight into the, the training that goes into this. I'm sure the, the common misconception is that it's all just, uh, you know, biceps and, and tricep training. But I imagine it's got to involve kind of full body, even legs, shoulders, things like that. But what does the average training cycle look like for you? Okay, I train differently than the typical arm wrestler. The typical arm wrestler does very specific movements right. related to how they arm wrestle. I train my body like an athlete. I train every muscle group. I have a chest day, a back day, an arm day, a shoulder day, a leg day. Inside those workouts are circuits of hand, wrist, and forearm training. Wrist rolls, cable pulls, battle ropes to fatigue my hand and wrist. I do a thing called BFR training, which is blood flow restriction. causes me to have extreme pumps. It actually increases my own growth hormone production. Uh, increases your VO2 max, all kinds of great benefits from BFR training. Well, the reason I, my, the evolution of my training has become one where after about a decade, 15 years or so of training, I was just, it wasn't fun anymore. It wasn't stress relief. It was a job. It's something I had to do. I had to compete. I knew I was competing. I knew I had an opponent coming up who was training. So I had to get the work done. How can I get the work done 
most efficiently and effectively as possible. Okay, I'm not going to do three sets of 10. I'm just going to do one set of 30. Okay, that still takes too long. I just won't take any water breaks. won't take any breaks at all. I'll set the timer, and I will go through these 300 reps plus five rounds of these circuits without a break. So what that has done is uh, it's given me the ability and confidence to, when the match stops, I know that I can go 100% of my maximum effort to 10 to 15 minutes because I do it every single day in my gym. So all I have to do is stop the match. <laughs> so I used to be, a, I've been very competitive in pretty much every sport I've ever played. I loved tennis in school. I didn't have a tennis coach. I didn't play on a team. But my buddy who played college tennis, I could beat him all the time when we played tennis, right? Because all I had to do was return a serve. If I could return a serve, I would outwork him. I would out. I would chase every volley. I would. I mean, I would chase every ball. I would just beat him in the volley, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with arm wrestling. All I have to do is stop your hit. If I can stop you from pinning me on go, that's where the real arm wrestling takes place. That's where you have to be a better, smarter, stronger arm wrestler than I am. <laughs> and most of the time, you know, I come out on top. But I think a lot of it really does come down to a sheer disgust for losing. The thrill of victory is awesome, right? When you celebrate a victory, you have a victory. It's a great experience. But my wife lets me walk around the house for about a week. You know, I won something big. I won the world title. She's like, listen, your week's up. It's just our wrestling. It's not that big a deal. Go take the trash out. Right? I mean, it's like, seriously. But that loss, that loss eats away at me until I get a chance to avenge it. That loss is a different feeling. And it's just that disgust for how it feels to lose is what drives me to work so hard. That's amazing. Out of curiosity, as you started, what is like the money situation in World Arm Wrestling League? Are you able to just do this now? Or like, as I imagine as you started, it had to be like, this is my side stuff. I got to have a regular job in between. But can you just do arm wrestling full time? So, no. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. Um, I've been blessed to, to run a personal training business or have my own business for a very long time. So I've, I've worked in a field where I could still train, treat myself like an athlete, and compete. Um, but since social media become a thing, right, um, I didn't jump on the YouTube bandwagon years ago. We used to have footage of me years ago doing really cool stuff, but I didn't have a channel to put it out. Like, I, I've done crazy lifts back in the day. And I told my buddy, I'm like, dude, if we would have had YouTube back when we were strong <laughs> in the gym, strong, yeah, yeah. I would be so famous. Because, like, I did 225 for 80 reps. I did 315 for 55. I was ridiculously strong in a year. My, my max was like 520. Oh. I did a 520. I did a 405 for 13. But I could do 315 for 55 reps. You know, 225 for 80. I've done pumping reps with 105, 105 reps at 225. Now, these things are, are only now getting done, right? right? I was doing this shit back in like 2007. But I didn't have anything way to film it. <laughs> we didn't know that was cool. we just go to the gym. Everybody would stand around and watch me do stupid stuff, right? I would do these crazy 300-pound uh, easy bar curls and reverse curls and just ridiculous stuff because I was young and dumb, right? I didn't know. So I just do it. And uh, I told people, I said, man, if I, if I could do any of that, because I've had so many. I've torn my pec. I've torn my lat. I've got all these injuries in my arm. I recently tore my bicep. I've got stem cells that healed back up. So that I'm going for this world title match. I have a world title match in nine, 11 days. I leave in seven days to go to Istanbul, Turkey to compete. Wow. I've won 23 world titles in the heavyweight and super heavyweight division. And I'm cutting down to 231 pounds to be in the light heavyweight division. So this potentially could be my 24th world title uh, in, in, in 11 days, right? But, yeah, so I'll say, I would say, due to social media, I am now a full-time athlete. I, because of our partnerships and our different platforms, you can find me on Monster Michael Todd, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, whatever. But in 2022, 
I'm only about a 430,000 followers subscriber platform across all four platforms. But across those four platforms, we did over 120 million views last year. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, that that makes us a big enough, you know, brand that other companies want to pay to partner with us, which in turn uh, allows me to, to basically film content, train myself, go on the road in an RV and do cool stuff. That's but the, the purses from arm wrestling in the past, like I've been doing this for 32, 33 years. Uh, the bulk of the money I've made has been the last 20, but I bet I've only made a half a million dollars arm wrestling. So I could have made more money working at McDonald's. <laughs> you know? so, so do you find, so what, what's, as this is getting more exposure and we, we see things like the, the slap fighting thing is called, I think it's, it's starting next week or something um, through Dana White's company and, uh, as you see more exposure, what it, what is changing about the the game of arm wrestling that would make it more mainstream? You touched on it before, where you said there's things not in place yet. But what what is going to get arm wrestling to the mainstream? In my opinion, it's going to be something similar to the Ultimate Fighter. Gotcha. I've been yep. a UFC fan since UFC one. Mm-hmm. I was a martial arts kid. I was black belt when I was fourteen. I showed a contact Kondo top boxing. I thought I was going to be. I thought I was a reincarnation of Bruce Lee when I was young. <laughs> really serious. I mean, I'm way way bigger than him. But right, I was going to say you look a little different than Bruce, but slightly different. Slightly different. <laughs> um, but I mean, I was just this. I was in, so in love with martial arts and the whole everything about it. Right, loved it. Mm. And so I was watching UFC. I was getting the VHSs from back in the day. That's just that was me. Right. Um, but the masses fell in love with arm wrestling because of Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bond, right? They fell in love with the story. They fell in love with the characters. Right. Arm wrestling has amazing characters and amazing stories within the characters. It's just we hadn't had a chance to show that to the public yet. Once we do, I believe arm wrestling has the potential to be something as mainstream as UFC because everyone's done it at some time in their life, right? And the one thing, okay, so I partner with a lot of different brands. And I tell them, listen, you can go have John Jones or you can have anybody else that you can partner with. And they may be a bigger brand and have bigger brand awareness and bigger name and all that stuff. But all you can do at your booth is have someone take a picture with that guy and he can sign an autograph. All you need for me to bring my arm wrestling table and I can arm wrestle every single one of them as long as they sign away or they won't hurt me, right? I can arm wrestle every single one of those guys. And now they have a story and an emotion and experience attached to your brand. Sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. now, sometimes IMDB is a little wacky, so I'll kind of ask you if this happened. <laughs> From what I see, you did some stunt work on the TV show SWAT. Is that true? And what did you do there? Absolutely. I was a cult member. Season three, episode two, bad <laughs> faith. Uh, now, I'm going to be honest. I desperately want to get into acting. Like, for it's all, it's like when I said I was a martial artist as a kid, I thought I was gonna be the next Van Dam. I had really pretty Van Dam, just me outside, crit. my stuff was pretty, right? <laughs> now, you gotta imagine, I didn't always look like this. I used to be a pretty boy fitness model guy, 195. I was a poster boy on for GNC for, uh, um, what was it? Lipo 6. I got the poster over there. I was a new tricks guy for Lipo 6. I mean, all 5,000 GNCs nationwide, you walk in, there's a poster of me, right? Nice. Um, but I used to be this pretty boy martial arts looking dude and i always thought hey that's going to be where i'm going to end up um i was in i I was supposed to compete at the wal they pulled me from the car because i dominated my opponent the month before so badly that the next guy supposed to arm wrestle was not at that level like dude you're going to kill this guy but we'd love to have you still come out to la and just you know bring your world championship hammer sign some autographs talk to people instead of being in my room that day prepping for my match i went out and hung out with kenny johnson who plays luca on swat now, Kenny's an amateur arm wrestling world champion. 
So he was happy to hang out with me. He introduced me to Shamar Moore. We had him call her daughter. You know, we were like the best parents in the world that day. Uh, he's like, what's up, baby girl? You know, it was a pretty cool experience. <laughs> and um, as he's walking me around, introducing everybody, they introduced me to the producers and the directors and everybody like, are you Zuma? And I'm and I'm like, I have no, who's Zuma? And my wife's looking at me like, honey, that's a character. They, they think you're the character they've already, you know, cast for this role. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. I, I can be Zuma if you want me to be, you know, because I'm about to go to Vegas and celebrate my anniversary. Like, no, no, you're perfect for the role. So they actually paid a penalty to put me in the, the role instead of the guy they already casted because they thought my look was perfect. Unfortunately, they shoot me and I die. So I can never come back in recurring role. All right. So that was my one shot. Right. But it's cool. That I still get I get SAG checks, SAG after checks, you know, once a month still coming in from that. But yeah, like I said, put me in a, a, a movie role with where Ronda Rousey kicks my ass and whatever. I'm cool. Just put, there's always a bald bearded dude, ex-military, <laughs> special yes. forces, bodyguard, Viking cult member biker like listen if you're looking for a dude call this guy right here <laughs> you know, I'm down <laughs> has, has that beard ever became uh ever get entangled in an arm wrestling <laughs> has it ever yes, got caught in there not so much in the tangle but when they're setting the grip like yeah. closing the thumb close my hand I'm like oh you're in my beard yeah. i've had to tuck it in my shirt a few times now i necessarily would not have a beard this massive except my wife wants people to think that i might be a cannibal Right. So she like when I walk in the room, like, yeah, I want people to think you're a little crazy. So I want you to have this ridiculous beard. But I get a lot. I mean, I get comments on, you know, oh, you're a big dude or you're this or that. But a lot of times I do epic beard. Right. So um, the beard, I've turned about five or six inches off a couple of times. It's been down to my navel on a couple of occasions. Um, but the thing about it is that you sleep and you'll get caught under your arm when you roll over. It's, it's a big beard. Right. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's now it's part of the brand. It's right. part of the whole Monster Michael Todd brand. It kind of fits. I do look a little crazy sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, people are like, would you shave it for a roll? I'm like, depends on how much the roll pays. <laughs> you know, what I'm yeah, like, absolutely. If it's a very small roll, then the answer is no. If it's a huge roll, possibly yes. <laughs> well, maybe um, maybe that's your way back on that show. They'll re- recast you as a different character without <laughs> yeah, <laughs> without the beard. That, you know? I was beard. his twin brother. <laughs> yeah, I grow my hair back. I don't look near the same. You know. Um, <laughs> People keep hitting me up like, dude, you got to cast for Kratos because they're apparently they're doing the God of War show. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if, oh. if I knew how to audition for that, I would 100% be in because one of the things I do want to do is dress up in full Kratos costume and go to Comic-Con and do a Beat the Champ where I'm wrestling all the other characters here. Nice, I think cool. that is definitely a viral video. That would be crazy. Oh, that'd be nice. So your wife is an arm wrestling champion. Your stepson is an arm wrestling champion. Is, is there any conflict in the family that doesn't involve, all right, let's grip up and do this? Or <laughs> is there ever a coin flip that's involved? Or is it just, yeah, it's Thanksgiving. You know what we got to do. He hasn't, he hasn't done dishes in 20 years because of that. He just. <laughs> everyone, everyone in this household knows their plate. <laughs> but not. Re- Rebecca's a seven-time national champion. My stepson, Ron's a seven-time national champion. Uh, we're the only family, I believe, in history that qualified at the Arnold Classic and competed at the Arnold Classic. We've been to the national championships on multiple occasions, and all three came home with national titles. It's uh, It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, my stepson was a 121-pound national champ, 132-pound national champ, 143-pound national champ, and then he had my granddaughter, and he's about 200 pounds. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he still competes locally. Yeah. But his priority is his family, and, you know, he will go – there's an opportunity for him to go travel with us, but he doesn't get to put the time and effort he used to. 
Do do you uh, how how long do you foresee being at the top of the game? I mean, you're competing still for championships. How how long is the longevity for an arm wrestler, or are you pushing that into new territories? So honestly, uh, the one thing about arm wrestling is it's such a hand and wrist dominant style sport. Now, the biggest muscle you use is your back. Right, your back is the biggest okay. muscle you use. But if your hand and wrist are not strong enough to support it, because remember I told you it's a pulling sport, I'm going to try to pull you to me. Well, if my hand and wrist is not strong enough to support the strength of my back, when I do pull you, my hand's going to get exposed, right? So although the back is the biggest muscle, the hand and wrist are the most important. One thing as you age, very rarely do you lose your hand and wrist strength. Remember those old gentlemen who still have that crazy hard handshake? Oh, that's that's my dad. Out? My dad's got mechanic hands, and me and my cousins yeah. are still afraid to shake his hand, and he thinks it's funny. Exactly. Like, he's 77 years old. So that's the old. thing about arm wrestling. It's a sport that you can do way in way past most other sports. And to answer your question, uh, I'm in my 33rd year. I've had a very accomplished career. I've been blessed to have a, a very good career. I don't think I've peaked yet. That's awesome. I turned 50 in June, but I think this is going to be the year that I get my nutrition perfect, my rest and recovery perfect. I partner with, you know, um, plunge it so I, I just had a cold plunge sent in so i'm i'm cold plunge i'm hot tub i'm sauna i'm recovering i'm resting i'm treating myself like a professional athlete every day day in day out and my supplements are on point i genuinely believe that this will be the year that I, i've reached the highest level i've ever reached and and also my wife and i have a goal to be our best versions of herself ever and very few people in life get to say that at 50 years old so i'm blessed for the the That's experience great. i'm blessed to have a wife that has similar goals as me um, and I'm excited about the future, man. I'm just, we're in a, an amazing time right now, both in, in sport and arm wrestling. And, uh, I'm, I'm getting to enjoy a lot of things, a lot of the different cool collaborations. Like, you know, I just did a collaboration at the rogue invitation with Thor. My bicep was injured. I did do a little bit of training for him on his platform, but you know, I'm sitting there and I'm squatting Thor in an in a Instagram reel. Right. You know? Wow. I mean, people are like, oh, my God, that's the mountain from Game of Thrones. You yeah. know, I got to play pop golf with him in, in the Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we've had, I mean, I, I shot machine guns out of a helicopter with The Undertaker. I did yoga with Diamond Dallas Page. I did both the podcasts for Duck Dynasty. I mean, that was just while we were on tour in 2021, you know. I mean, that's great. we have truly been blessed. And, and I think this year is going to be even more exciting than the past. That's so awesome, man, and we're looking forward to it. So if uh, any of our fans want to find out more about you, your schedule, what's coming up, what's the best places they can go to find out? Uh, Monster Michael Todd, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook, TikTok. My biggest platform currently is Facebook. We didn't even realize that was a like a, a monetizable platform to put content out on until like 13, 14 months ago, and that has now surpassed all of our other platforms. But we put a lot of this, you know, YouTube, Instagram, we, we're putting out stuff every day, Facebook. We just recently had a, a viral video on TikTok. We had the Monster Factory. So Monster Factory is my gym. Uh, we called it the Monster Factory of Monsters of Unreal. And uh, we held a sort of holding live events here back in, in March. We did March, July. We just did one in December. And the, the production guy is really good friends with a guy who plays Jason Voorhees. James Stokes. Oh. Well, he came down as his assistant and he had his full costume. So we get on the table and we do this little skit where as I pin him, he comes at me with his machete. Put it on TikToks like four point six million. You know, it's been up like two weeks. So That's crazy. It's it's and I think it's one point three, one point four on Facebook or something. But uh yeah, man, we're just having a good time. We're blessed, but at Monster Michael Todd, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok. And uh, like beat the champ stuff like that. I'm always up for stuff like that. Um, which I said, 
those type of experiences are very fan friendly because like I said, however the match goes, the more they drink, the better the story is. I was this close <laughs> to being the world champion. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have a story to tell for the rest of their life. Uh, one last question. You kind of led me into it. Um, in all these years, I'm, I'm sure random people have challenged you. And whatnot. Have you ever come across someone that you're like, yeah, right. This guy's got, there's no way. And he's actually given you a significant challenge. Okay, so you will know when you grip a hold of somebody right that they're going to be strong. Gotcha. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a, a guy in Dubai who's cam- from Cameroon, and he is out of the blue, a guy that you know we met over there, and he, they just kind of found him as a mechanic, and he has world-class grip strength. Like, it's unbelievable, and his hands are enormous, and he genuinely is a freak of strength. He's ridiculously strong. Now, his level isn't necessarily world-class, but if he trained and, you know, put in the time, he could definitely be a threat to a lot of people. And he's only like a six foot two, 250 pound guy, huh. but freakish genetics, like yeah. just freakish genetics. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, you always have somebody who has a friend who's never been, you know, and the funny thing is when someone tells me they've never been beat and they want to bet money, I'm like, how much are you willing to lose? Because you've never <laughs> yeah. been yeah. you've yeah. never arm wrestled anyone of any caliber. I've been beat with me using both hands at, at different times in my career. But like, have you ever lost my like, dude? I've lost a hundred thousand times, but I've arm wrestled over a million matches. I don't lose much anymore. You know, mm. um, if you've never lost, you've never competed at any real level. You know, you're only as good as a competition. If you're only beating the guys that are in your small little pond, uh, you're never getting to find out what it's really like to compete at, against the very best in the world. Um, but yeah, there are people out there who exist who are freaks. <laughs> uh, Mike, thank you so much. This has been an awesome interview. We wish you good luck. We'd love to have you down the road, talk to you more about stories. Hopefully as an actor, more re- arm wrestling championships yeah we can uh, get that belt next week yeah definitely man. it's actually a helmet and a shield <laughs> oh, big like gladiator type helmet this awesome shield and i don't know if you guys can see in the gym but there's over like a thousand i've kept every award i've ever won and i'm kind of what they call a trophy for it so <laughs> if it's a cool trophy i'm going for it right so getting that helmet and shield and displaying it here in the monster factory will definitely be one of the highlights of the career. So uh, hopefully we do come out on top. I have a very strong opponent from Kazakhstan, but I'm feeling pretty good right now. So that's awesome. Mike, thank you so much for the time, man. And uh, we really appreciate sitting down and talking with you for a little bit. Thank you guys very much for having me. It truly was awesome. And I look forward to seeing this when it comes out. Monster Mike Todd, Mike Todd. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome interview there. Scott, I think that was a real beard, by the way. I, I, I looked pretty real to me. Yeah, yeah. It, when you're manly like that, do you think he's ever had like a girly moment? Do you think he ever stubbed his toe and just went, ah! like, oh, yeah, real loud? I think every big manly big guy or everybody's got something they're either afraid of. Like, I'm not a big rodent guy. I'm a pretty big guy. You're a pretty big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you one thing. Like, when I had like mice in the one place we rented, I was, I was like, ah! like, I was freaked out by them. I would. Um, we never actually even caught them, but every once in a while, it, it, you remember the old place we lived in that was just like the open, the little cabin place on the water. Okay, yeah, where yep, we used yep. to podcast in the corner. So mm-hmm. there was no actual walls to the place other than the bathroom. It was like a studio 
lake cottage. I don't even know how to explain it. Um, mm. Weird place, but really fun place to live. Um, we had a lot of fun there, especially being on the water. But anyway, um, we knew we had some kind of mice or something because my dog's bowl would be out. We'd be you know trying to go to bed, and you just hear like and like any food that was around i'd be like oh the dog's eating and then no look at the foot of the bed he's snoring at the foot of bed i'm like oh man you could hear like something getting into the bowls and i was like i'm not getting up i'm not getting up i'm not checking this out i'm just gonna i am just going to pretend these mice don't exist big gray was just a very hungry burglar outside (laughs) i'm gonna rob this house but ooh, is that is that purina dog chow oh when you when you make it wet it makes the gravy so so in your eyes there's a guy out there yeah that is busting into houses and just taking little samples of dog food (laughs) yeah i mean have you seen the price of dog food i mean granted you get like 28 pounds when you buy it but you know sometimes you can't buy that big bag when you buy the small bags it's done in like a day and you get ticked off they had to get another one so maybe I, that's what he does i mean i'm really starting to wonder about your mental health what <laughs> <laughs> are you saying the dog food bandit doesn't exist um if there is one it's definitely you in the middle of the night going around the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going outside. It's just me, Scott. Go back to bed. That's another one of those things like we were talking about the other night, the thoughts that come to your head in the middle of the night. And you, I could see you being like, oh, there's never been a dog food bandit before. And like, maybe I can get some traction with this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine him just like, uh, like the cat, but he also he has the sewed in like longer ears. So he looks like uh, a floppy ear Dalmatian or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and I can he, feel, I feel like as soon as like your pumpkin spice, but it's, it's November 1st and you're thinking in bed, like, oh, what else am I going to do now on my page? Like I need some content. And you're like, oh, maybe the, have, maybe the dog burglar and I'll kind of live stream going. <laughs> Going yeah, to I different mean, houses. We keep talking about cat burglars, but we're missing an entire <laughs> half of burglars right there. Uh, how many burglars would it take to defeat Mike Todd in an arm wrestling match? Uh, <laughs> me burglars? You burglars. You. You. Oh, okay. You're exactly. You're giving me the whole family to choose from. <laughs> Um, that's it. All right, that's a two-part conversation now. How many Mike Burlews, and then how many? <laughs> Ooh. All right. So, well, I mean, we—I got Pocahontas Burlew. Let, let, I mean, that's just would be good. Let's let's get the the audience your specs. You're probably what, like six three, six three, about two twenty okay. or so. Um, average build. Uh, I would say eight minimum. Eight Mike Burlews to beat Mike Todd. I mean, he's a professional arm wrestler. Like, yeah. A regular big guy, he's like, all right, two, three, four. But this is pro, face the best of the best. <laughs> yeah. just, like, broke his arm and just be like, yeah, I'll keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can't just send a couple of Burlews up there. And I just it. wish not there was a- be listening about dog food maintenance. I, I wish there was a way to... to- for this to happen, like eight of you holding the one side of his arm, you know, and him just on the other side, pulling all eight of you like through the table. I mean, if we make it happen, I'll make sure like four Burloos will stay at your house, you know, until I get up there to set up the event. Like I saw this so video. Got company. I saw this video the other day of three soccer players facing a hundred kids. And I, I posted, I thought it was hysterical. Like it was three guys cutting through a hundred kids. They eventually squirrel. This is even better. I think eight Burloos, one Mike Todd. 
And that sounds like a great video. I don't know how we make it happen. If anybody's into cloning, let us know. I mean, maybe we can go back to the guy who made spider goats and make this happen here. <laughs> and it, now let, let's let's go to your part of the question that you brought up. How many Burloos family members family. is it going to take? Yeah. <laughs> and, and go through who you're going to bring with you. Which which Burloos are coming along? Hey. <laughs> Like, if I go through the Burlu family, we got some, like, truck drivers in the family, so okay. I'd probably get, like, two or three of them okay, okay. on board there. Uh, you know, my dad is kind of like what you described. Your dad just got, like, that farmer yeah. insane strength going there. He's definitely on board in his prime. Uh, I'll be on there for spirit, right. you know, just to motivate. Go yeah. <laughs> All right, this is, this is a family thing. You know, we're going to take this man down. He, Give me he, that B. He, he's not undefeated. Give me that B. Give me that U. <laughs> <laughs> I can see your hair and, like, pigtails. You got pom-pom fruit on the team. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably, just probably if I get four or five family members... Okay, we can hand. A different question. If <laughs> the five family Burloos versus the eight yeah. Mike Burloos, who's winning that match? <laughs> I feel I'd probably cheat to win, so I would give it to me. Okay, you, you, you all. Yeah. What's the pronoun yeah, yeah. for eight Burloos? Use? Burli? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Burlix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ah, or less. We're oh. we're back with the stupidity. We gave you a half hour reprieve, and we are right right back in it. So it actually segues pretty well into what I want to ask you. Now, we have um, we've done a lot of um, over the years. We've kind of analyzed some strange sports. You know, arm wrestling is definitely a, a. It's not really strange, but it's definitely niche, right? Like people, yeah. you know. You don't see it every day, and it, it, you know it could. Like he was talking, it definitely does have a chance to to become the fight. Like this slap fighting thing, I I don't know, man. I saw one the other day, uh, internet clip, and the guy's face literally just like exploded. It was just like covered in blood, exploded. He had like gauze in his mouth. Like, I, in some ways, I think it's more dangerous than than UFC, like for, than MMA because they're just getting hit. Like those slaps are not softer than any punches. They're just open handed, you know. Like, yeah, it's you're getting punched in the face, but your hand is open. You're you know that's and you're standing there taking it. You're not dodging anything. You're standing there just getting hit as hard as possible. Like th- this has concussions written all over it oh yeah someone's gonna die i I won't point it past it i mean i can see you just like opening a big old hole in the side of your face doing this Uh, uh, there's no defense to it it's literally stand there i'm i'm sure if you put your arm up the ref will be like all right you're eliminated from slap fights that's that's what i'm saying right like in mma you're getting hit in the face but at all times you're trying to defend yourself like that's the rules of like that's what the referee tells you defend yourself at all times and when you can't defend yourself that's when he stops the fight these guys are taking a full-on blow to the face from like some of these guys are like 250 they're like mike size like 250 you know 300 pound guys hitting each other as hard as possible and on the side mma you're training the entire time doing it so you're learning to not only learning the fence you're learning to take certain shots i don't know right how you train for this outside of another human being basically doing the same thing that would happen in a competition right you're rolling with punches you're defending yourself with 
punches, you're defending yourself with jujitsu, with with being able to take the opponent to the ground. That's all part of defense. And yeah, you get caught, and yeah, it's, it's extremely dangerous. But Jesus, like I think this in some ways is more dangerous than MMA. Like yep, and in MMA, if uh, you have an injury, one of our former guests tells some casinos and then you get suspended from fighting yeah 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 we he might be our first guest to go to jail since we've uh now we've had guests from jail from I jail i don't know if we've had guests go to jail yet james kraus yeah. yeah for those who are not aware james kraus he was on an episode he he was in the ufc fighting he turned into a coach and uh he's in trouble for um for what they're saying informing certain betters of information about fighters injury wise or whatever where they had to actually shut down betting and major casinos Mm -hmm. for this and he's currently suspended from the uh, anybody who trains with him is suspended from fighting in the ufc yeah yeah yeah. one of our early earlier guests too like pretty early on when we started getting guests he was he was on there but um, yeah, so my question to you is I'm going to go through a couple interesting sports, and I want you to tell me which one you think you have a chance at being a competitor in. Now, oh, we, we've right. determined arm wrestling is not for you. You would need eight to, to get to the top level like of Mike, you know, a, a champion. You would need eight to stand a chance. Okay, and on a side note, episode 65, if you want to go back, ladies and gentlemen. Early days. you got to go back on Podbean to even listen to those. I don't think you can even get them on iTunes. No, August 6, 2015. Wow. Take that, verbal shenanigans, the fraud, verbal shenanigans. 2016, you you weren't even, you were probably in high school, losers. Mm, Um, 2015, we are on episode 65. This is 2023, and you're on seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right, so we've even talked about this sport, but. Let's give it a go. So the Cooper's Hill uh, Cheese Rolling and Wake in England, the small regional event in Gloucester, England, Gloucester, yeah, something like that. England has gained international notoriety for its high speed, intensity, and number of injuries. The rules are simple: chase the round of cheese down the hill, and the first person to the bottom of the hill wins. So it doesn't even seem like you have to get the cheese. It seems like it's the first person to the bottom of the hill. And what's the point of the cheese? Uh, maybe you win, win the wheel of cheese. I don't know. You get to eat it. Why would I want to eat grassy cheese? <laughs> Mike's mean, well, grassy cheese. Yeah. Buy it now. <laughs> grassy cheese, spicy wine. That, that's not a good combo. Come on now. <laughs> uh, I have seen these videos. Uh, I know my balance. I mean, technically, I could participate, but I'm going to look like everybody else, like take three steps. And just circle down the hill with no capability of gaining balance. So to actually be successful in the sport, zero. To participate, why not? I'll look like everybody else. Okay, so this is not a not a strong chance coming up right at the gate, the no. first one here. Okay, so you've probably heard of wife carrying. Wife carrying okay. in Finland. The Finnish sport gives a whole uh, meaning to the term the old ball and chain. In teams of two, male carries the female. Competitors race to see who can finish uh, an obstacle course. Dropping the wife is not, I, I believe that is an elimination if you drop your wife. Hmm. I mean, Izzy will have a good giggle out of this. Uh, wh- where is it at, this sport? Finland. Finland. I'm sure that's somewhat near France where she's like, ooh, Euro Disney, so she'll be on board. Um, I can give it a shot. I mean, will I be, like, professional champion? 
Yeah, I'm think I'm guys. thinking the guys who are dominant in this are like these CrossFit guys, like who are yeah. carrying things and running and and going over obstacles. And the wife probably, the, the wife is probably a small part of this. I bet you these guys are just conditioned athletes, and and carrying them is not that Ooh. big of a deal. You know who I'd probably lose to the guy who married the girl that looks like an eight year old. Oh, very easy. Oh, that's man. what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, look in your notes, see if the guy was from Finland who direct messaged her, okay? I see what he's doing there. All right, so you're you're half and half on that one, maybe, um, but but tough, okay? So we have uh, Bo Teoshi in Japan. It, Bo Duke? Think Jenga, capture the flag in Battle Royale. These Japanese sports uh, sport pits two teams of 75 players against one another in an epic fa- fight to bring down the other team's pole. So 75, two teams of 70, so 150 people. You each have a pole. In the picture I'm looking at, um, it's kind of like a tall uh, a tall piece of lumber, like maybe 15 feet high or so. Okay. Like, Are they climbing the lumber to take it down, or is it just... Yeah, let me show like, you. How does this work? So this is the picture um, we're looking at here. So it is a bunch of guys here climbing a pole. And one guy's on the top of the pole, so they must use each other as stairs in some way. Hmm. I mean, I guess I could probably be one of those guys you see, like, five rows back, just like, <laughs> yeah, keep going, push it, and all. You know, I'm, like, the backup center of the Super Bowl winning team still gets a Super Bowl ring. So, yeah, I could. So you're liking, I, I, you're liking that you have 74 other guys to kind of get you to the top. Yeah. And then if we lose, I'll be, like, pulling somebody's side. It's like. Can you believe that guy, number twelve? Yeah. Can, you, can you believe that? I mean, I did my job, but you know he, you know he just falls flat on his face at every championship that we go to. <laughs> All right, so it seems like Bo, uh, Bo Teoshi is in the lead at the, at the moment. <laughs> I think so. All right, Mike. What about camel jumping? Camel jumping in. in- <laughs> Look at this picture, new <laughs> in Yemen. The ancient sport has seen a rebirth as the professional camel jumpers of the Zaranik tribe in western Yemen use their speed, strength, um, and explosiveness to sail over as many camels as possible. Uh, this sport is still pending PETA approval. But Mike, this is not a man leaping over a camel or jumping with a camel. This is a man jumping. Currently, what we're looking at is a man leaping over three camels. Yeah, yeah, the guy. I mean, these camels, right off the bat, they're probably about my height. And we're looking at this picture. This gentleman <laughs> is like spread eagle, yeah, probably 10 feet in the air, getting ready to go over three camels. I, I can't fathom me w- doing good with one. I can't. Maybe if they're baby camels, maybe I can <laughs> be like the baby camel champion of Yemen. <laughs> But, uh, wow, another great title for you. Mike Burlow, the baby camel champion of Yemen. <laughs> Can we get down the t-shirt? Uh... All right, Mike, this one might this might be tough for you, knowing your, your cramping issues of the past. <laughs> Toe wrestling. Now we've had arm wrestling, we've had wrestlers on the show, we've had um we've heard we've talked about Turkish oil wrestling, but here we got toe wrestling, which kind of grosses me out. Um just like its sister uh, sport arm wrestling, toe wrestling involves two opponents locking feet and attempting to pin the other's uh, foot down. There's no surprise that this sport was started in a pub by four drinking buddies. 
All right, take, probably take a look at right that. Intertwining now. those <clears throat> those big toes. Yeah. Um, it's either number one or number two. I mean, I feel I could compete in it. About the only caveat, I don't even like. I mean, touching feet was gonna feel a little weird to oh, begin with. I hate feet. Yeah. And um, I got a feeling there's a lot of stories of broken toes, which I'm not gonna really appreciate it. I, it it's higher than camel jumping i'll tell you that much mm-hmm. but, uh, you think not they, baby camel jumping though that that i'll be champion you think they compete like um in foot size like you, you can't have like a big size 14 or going against like a guy with a seven I, I gotta think so there has to be some kind of weight class thing going on there yeah and you know somebody's gonna like try to get an advantage by like not washing their feet where you just like oh you gotta oh, slimy your big toe in between and you it's like i know i feel like lint and oh. other <clears throat> things and <clears throat> getting sick um yeah and, and also don't think that you know a day after we do this podcast oh. we won't be emailing uh toe wrestlers well why don't we combine the last two and have camel toe jumping <laughs> Yeah. Uh, chess boxing. Take a game that involves a lot of thinking and combine it with a sport that often leads to head trauma. Introducing chess boxing. Competitors fight in alternating rounds of chess and boxing. So one round, you're, you're getting it, Mike. You're, you're throwing jabs. You're throwing uppercuts. The next move, uh, the next round, you're, you're moving rooks and pawns. Like, do they take their gloves off to do the chess part? That's got to be a pain in the ass right there. Um, can't do either by himself, so Lord knows combined I won't be able to do it. So that's a big old no. That's last <laughs> place there, Scotty. Wow. So you you think you have a better chance of jumping a camel than doing some chess boxing? I, I feel <laughs> I will be as good as the average person attempting something like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Then maybe underwater hockey's your thing. In England, participants hold their breath as they maneuver a puck along the bottom of a pool into the opposing team's goal. I mean, I, I dig this one. I, it's a little weird. Yep. But I could see, like, something I would do in, like, the summers in, like, our pool, something like that. So I could totally yeah, – yeah, I think it, I'd be on board with this. It one. looks like they're equipped with snorkels and flippers, too. So I'm assuming it has yeah. decent speed to the game. I would have to train. I mean, granted, I'm going to be the person that takes down Anastasia Pagonis when we get that all set up. So after I take care of her, then I take on underwater hockey. Okay. Okay. Man versus horse marathon in Wales. (laughs) The annual 22-mile race pits a man against beast, and yes, the horse usually wins. But out of the 35 races ever held, two humans have managed to outrun the four-legged competition. You did some you did some long races that, you know a couple of years ago you did a marathon right I, back in the day yeah yeah there were no horses on the trail when I ran the marathon um uh, I mean I could legally attempt to be the champion probably not uh yeah horses um 
They're, they're fast. <laughs> That's my analysis. They're fast. Okay, so that one's out. Um, we'll go with shin kicking. Shin kicking. Uh, in contributing four sports, England has proven to be a hotbed of strain sports, and shin kicking is no exception. Just as his name suggests, competitors face off and proceed to kick the shin out of one another's shins and force their opponent to the ground. So basically, you're just kicking shins until someone falls, Mike. Probably not. Uh, I think I told a story before on the podcast where I was playing softball as a catcher. Guy dribbled a ball, ump didn't call a play yet. I ran out to get the ball. Guy threw the bat and hit my shin. I basically had a, <laughs> had a huge freaking uh, uh, lump on my shin for three weeks. So that's just an accidental shin hit. I can't imagine what the champion of shin uh, kicking would do to said shin. So I am out. All right, Mike, last one here. Last one. Extreme mm-hmm. ironing. Extreme ironing. Because ironing clothes like a normal person just won't do it. Touted as the latest danger sport that combines the thrill of an extreme outdoor activity with the satisfaction of a well-pressed shirt. Extreme ironing is all about pushing the envelope and having a well-ironed shirt. And in the picture here, there's three men jumping out of a plane, ironing the shirt in midair. Hmm. Not a heights guy, so uh, maybe I can enter less extreme ironing. Uh, I don't know what <laughs> just ironing, network. just ironing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what network is going to televise that, but uh, yeah, they'd be like, "Ooh, Perlu's really getting the creases this afternoon." Man, he's got his skills going. Okay, all right, Mike. So let's just recap. You got the uh, the cheese rolling. You got wife carrying. You got the Teoshi, which was the climbing the pole, um, taking the pole of the other team. You have camel jumping. You got toe wrestling. You got chess boxing, underwater hockey, the man versus horse marathon, shin kicking, and extreme ironing. Which sport are you going to pursue after this cast? Uh, I'm going to do the underwater hockey, Scott. I nice, feel nice. It looks like a summertime, like playful thing that you did with your buddies and all. Maybe, maybe when you're like eight and like playing horsing around with like friends. Maybe a little older, you had a couple beers in you and you try this out. I feel like that's something is easily can like gain some skills on that and have some fun with it. So, all right, Mike Burlew, underwater hockey, uh, future champion, possibly the small camel jumping champion of Yemen. Um, this man's titles have no bounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what I, I plan to do, Scott is I'll go to an ice hockey rink and you know what I'd like to do with ice. And then once I do that, then it's underwater hockey time. Okay. So you're just going to melt the entire ice rink? Yeah, probably somebody <laughs> will stop me before I complete my task, but I feel that that will get me closer to the event. And, so. and you are aware that like the ice hockey uh, rink is not like 10, 20, 30 feet deep, right? Like You know that ice is like on the surface. Ah, they're, really? They're, they're that weak? I mean, come on, man. So I mean, you don't go ice skating, but I feel if I'm going ice skating, I should know there's plenty of ice there for me to skate on. So in your head, you see hockey players, you think they're playing on like 30 feet of ice. Yeah, I figure yeah. there's like a pool under there. Like every time I'm like, I don't know how they build that basketball court on top of the pool mm. every night, you know, when the Celtics and Bruins 
go off on uh, <laughs> from game to game, but uh, oh, you live, you learn, Scott. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, okay. Uh, Mike, anything, anything you got before we get out of here? Yeah. Um, so uh, the in-laws are coming down. We're going to be entertaining them for the weekend. Uh, I just had like a stressful thing of like cleaning up the uh, living room. Uh, I had cases of toilet paper sitting in my living room for like three weeks. And I, I was kind of like forced to Why? bring downstairs. Why so much toilet paper? So like my dad, my brother, he has a side cleaning business and he also sells things on the side. So he always has hookups right. and everything. So my dad uh, decided uh, to help us out. Like usually they would give us like regular toilet paper to to use in the house. But uh, what we're going to do eventually is he gets since he uh, cleans bathrooms for like companies. We're getting like the industrial, huge ass uh, no, toilet paper. No, no pun intended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, my wait, dad wait. So you're gonna have like a giant toilet paper roll in the bathroom on the yeah, yeah, yeah. That way, I don't have to like change it and don't have to worry about stuff. So my dad gave me like I'm four just, cases of that. I'm just picturing going to the bathroom in your house and a. <laughs> massive almost wheel of cheese looking roll of toilet paper just on the little you know the little peg or whatever you call it on the toilet paper holder yeah i mean what's fun is if it rolls down the hill then you get to chase it and then you win the toilet paper but i digress but um i i I brought it downstairs and um i had i found out i had old old toilet paper down here how much toilet uh, paper is in this house (laughs) were you one of those pandemic like like planners like did you guys buy it were you one of those people that cleaned the aisle out no no we never (laughs) we we haven't had to buy toilet paper in probably like three years because of this setup but um so what basically happened is when my when my dad was first hooking me up with toilet paper I was like, all right, I don't know where to put this. So I had it downstairs and that's when Stubby was still around. And what I found was I had spare toilet paper, but she scratched up a lot of the toilet paper. Yeah. Like, like literally I had a box there. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to store it here in this like cubby hole. And I take out the box and it's just like a confetti of shredded <laughs> toilet paper hits the floor because the box bottom wasn't secured. So I had, to clean that up for a half an hour. Uh, I was hoping but, you were going to say like, yeah, I mean, I still figured out how to use the confetti paper. It took a long <laughs> time, but, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I had like seven rolls. I'm like, yeah, she scratched them. It's like chunks, but it's like, I still think they're good because <laughs> like, it's not like holes in the middle. It's not like at the bottom. So you can still like roll up the toilet paper <laughs> and use it. Right. Like, like I, if I just use it for myself, I don't put it out for guests because it's bad enough. I have to deal with the big cheese wall of toilet paper, as you uh, put it. Uh, so you you have a standard. You don't put out confetti toilet paper, but you put out a metric ton of toilet paper for guests. Well, it's regular toilet paper, so they'll be happy with it. They don't have to worry about hey, where is the toilet out. paper roll that size sitting on? Is it just sitting on the counter? No, I had to. 
it, like I said, there's like cases of, of this. I know, but when you have it in the in the bathroom, where is it going yeah. to be? So what's going to? Are you going to have an industrial like toilet paper holder ring thingy? Yeah, um, we we ordered them. What so is wrong gonna... with you? <laughs> what? <laughs> like I don't. I don't want to change toilet paper as much anymore. I mean, great, great. when we run, when we run now, it'll probably be like, oh crap, how does this work? Next, but, you're gonna tell me you have, you're having a piss trough installed, so everyone can just come on in and you use it. I mean, that'd be great, and I'll just have it all like on a slant, so it just goes down to the grass like the gutters. That'd be pretty nice. So at some point, you're going to have a Star Wars themed giant toilet paper uh, bathroom. Uh, all right, we. We discussed this before, Scott. The the Disney stuff is in my wife's room. She wanted the bathroom. I put my foot down. It's uh-huh. not happening. Yeah. The bathroom. Um, there is nothing in the bathroom. I sent you pictures about it. Yeah. All I have is Redskins towels yeah, in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the calendar. You're you seem to be going away. Where are you going uh in, in two weeks? Um, Where you, Mr. Put your foot down. Where yeah, are you going? Put my foot down. We're not we're not going to Disney World in Florida, we're going to um, um, California. Oh yeah, yeah, just to see the beaches and the redwood yeah. forest and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, we we got friends out there. We'll be staying with them for a couple of days, and then uh, we'll spend uh, a a week somewhere else, and then gotcha. uh, we'll take the flight back. Okay, yeah. Mister Heavyfoot, yeah. yeah, put it down, put it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we're you showed to- you showed her who's boss. Yeah, and we're going to Anaheim. Uh, I mean, that's a nice big city, yeah. in California. Certain things are in Anaheim. Uh, I, I don't really need to yeah, divulge. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, you got me. It just sounds like I a mean, nice vacation. There, there's no worlds there. I mean, they're they're lands, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's not a world. Yeah, yeah. So, so what was the solution to this toilet paper conundrum? <clears throat> um, well, it was just more. I got it stored away. It was just a fun little story I wanted to share with you. Yeah. And I was kind of. I can't wait till your it, guests are like. How many shits do you do people think we take? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Wait till I get the porta potty set up there outside. Yeah. In case the emergency poops are getting taken I, care of. I don't even want to picture the Star Wars bathroom anymore. I just want the picture of the industrial uh, <laughs> toilet paper on the wall. I need to see this. All right. I will send it to you when we get it installed. But again, we do not have a Star Wars bathroom. Yeah. And it's not going to happen. Okay. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed our our intellectual uh, conversation here. I'd like to thank Monster Mike Todd for coming on. Great guest. The other uh, 60 or so minutes of this show, I apologize. But uh, please keep following us. We are the original Verbal Shenanigans, the only one. I, I'm gonna, please help us out if you are on TikTok or Twitch. We might also try to get on there just to go save our product a little bit. Ruffle uh, some feathers. Yeah. But Mike, uh, anything to promote before we go? Uh, for my friends down here in Georgia, uh, if you're into like horror, horror Comic Con kind of things, Days of the Dead is coming to Atlanta January 27th through the 29th, 2023. It's at the uh, Sheridan in Atlanta, Georgia. Why am I bringing this up? Some guests that will be there include the cast of Terrifier, including Art the Clown, David Howard Thornton, former guest of the Verbal Shannon podcast there. Uh, so many different. Yeah, hopefully, uh, we're, we're trying to get them on again too. So that um, absolutely, yeah. they have uh, guests like Heather Langenkamp from Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, they have people from Hostel, Tom Arnold, one of the Insane Clown Posse members, Van Margera, 
Sounds like an incredible weekend right there. So if you go to daysofthedead.com slash Atlanta, you will get more details and get your tickets. Awesome. And I'm going to promote us real quick. Um, I, I thought we had been on it, but I guess that we never were. So just today, um, we are now officially on, uh, we are on iHeartRadio. We're available on iHeartRadio. So um, if you are already a subscriber, you listen to different things, you could access our show now through iHeartRadio. Um, I'll also mention that we are not just on Apple, but we're on Spotify, um, TuneIn, Google Play, Amazon, um, Basically, anywhere you can get um, podcast, we are available there. Except TikTok and yeah, TikTok and Twitch, we are not on, and those are not our guys. And um, if we have bad numbers certain weeks, I'm going to blame it on them and say that people listen to theirs. So um, I want to thank Meg Todd for coming on, guys. Other than that, we got some good stuff coming up. Life is funny. Laugh and keep the wind at your back. COVID twenty three. I got my TP. Come and get me. Listening to verbal shenanigans.